Welcome to Canine Hijinks, the podcast for those who want to explore more ways to have fun with their dogs and perhaps discover the wider world of training and dog sports. It may even convert the casual pet owner into a dog sport enthusiast. Join me, Alyssa Looney. And me, Whitney Taylor, as we share our dog training journeys, as well as resources you can use to enhance your life with your canine friends. Welcome to another episode of Canine Hijinks. We're so glad you have chosen to join us today, and we are ex- super excited to be here with repeat guest Shade Weitzel to talk about toy skills. Welcome, Shade. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. I am very excited that we are doing one of the episodes. I feel like at the end of almost every episode, we promise to do a follow-up episode on something, and so here we are. We said we should talk to you about yes. toy skills. So, ta-da! <laughs> yay! Yay! Well, we should have done this one first because it's about building reinforcement, not actually. That's right. You know, building behaviors, but yeah. That's right. We probably went backwards on that one. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, what have you been up to with your dogs? I think you just had a big competition, didn't you, Shade? In March, I was supposed to do a competition uh, in April. So that's when I last talked to you. Um, I had to not do it. I had to pull um, because Talek's having an issue challenges jumping wise. Uh, So we're trying to get to the bottom of that, whether it's technique or strength um, or there's a low level injury muscles sort of thing going on. So um, I'm a bit frustrated (laughs) to tell the truth. We're finally starting to get some diagnostics and figure out what's going on. I'm, I'm doing as much jumping class stuff and strength training as I can. Um, so, but he has to jump a meter in AKC. So that's about 39 inches. Wow. Uh, mm. So he always kind of stalls out around 30, 32 inches where it starts to get hard and his jumping gets inconsistent. So yeah. Interesting. So, we have some fix it things going on. So that makes me feel better. Um, but I'm overall a little frustrated because he's ready in all the other aspects of it. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I hope it's not an injury. Off. Yeah, I, I hope not. Um, you know, we're doing x-rays and it's, it'll probably be different, difficult to diagnose because it already isn't one of the biggies. So, yeah. um, so who knows? But yeah. I'm very familiar with that mystery injury stuff. Uh, yeah. from Jen. Well, we both are. Yeah. Maybe well, we'll yeah. talk later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Whitney, what have you been up to? I took Fractal got a class all to himself, speaking of mystery injury dogs. And um, so I have a rental car right now. I was in an accident. I'm fine. I was sitting at a stoplight and got hit. So I have a rental car and I can only fit one crate in the rental car. So I cannot take both dogs with me, which is what I have been doing. And I opened the crate to go to class and Fractal jumped in. And I said, no, I'm not taking you. Get get out. And so I made him get out of the crate and he was very sad about it. And I went and got Sprite and I picked her up and I put her in the crate and I thought I closed it. And then I went back into the house to get the water and came back to the back and Fractal's back in the crate. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, 
yeah, okay, I I don't have the energy for this battle right now. I took her last week. Fine, I will I will take you. You will get class <laughs> all to yourself. And um, so I did that. And I forgot that I used to have a very well-developed callus on the, like, middle knuckle of my middle finger from playing tug with Fractal with the Holy Roller that's not really there anymore. <laughs> and he ripped a big chunk of skin out of my finger. It's quite painful. But wow. he was Ouch. he was excellent in class. Interesting to see kind of what skills have deteriorated over time. And still, I feel like well, I don't know what his injury is. And so I, it's hard to tell at this point, like, is he bulking at certain jumping efforts because they're difficult or has the skill deteriorated? And so... Um, Right. It was was interesting to spend some time with him and s- still try and solve the mystery of running him very different. I have a different lens on his like arousal level that I I think is maybe higher than I ever gave it credit for and that I probably would have worked through that in a different way. So it was very interesting to to spend some time with him. Alyssa, what have you been up to? I have been up to puppy training, of course, with Leo. He turned 12 weeks and um, he's really in a fun stage. You know, that first week or two, I feel like is a little bit awkward in terms of training with food because, you know, the puppy's trying to figure it out and you're trying to figure them out. And now we've got some really good skills under our belt and really good routines for our food training. And so um, he's really starting to figure out stationing and his down is coming along really well. We just started working on a sit. And this is the first time I've really waited to teach a sit with a puppy. Normally that's kind of the, one of the first things, but he's really clumsy and like floppy. And so he doesn't really put his feet under himself very well. And so I didn't want to start the sit until mm. he was just a little bit older and he's still a little bit floppy wants to kind of sit crooked, but, and so I'm using a station actually to work on his sits so that he sits a little nicer, which is forcing him to get his feet under himself. Um, but really exciting because he threw me for a loop with some pretty bad motion sickness uh, a couple weeks ago when we went up to Argus and I was super worried that it was going to be a big deal because of how sick he was. And then his reaction, as soon as I put him back in the car, but he seems to have worked through almost all of that. And uh, yesterday I did a focused session on having him get into the car on his own. And he was great. And I took him down to the arena and with my other dogs so I could work all day. And when I went to put them all back in the car, I tried to get Jet in the crate. And instead the puppy launched himself in all by himself. Oh, and nice. I was just so proud of him for wanting <laughs> to get in the car. So um, he's been a lot of fun and, and I love having puppies, even if it is kind of tiring, <laughs> let's switch gears and talk about toys because, um, shade, you are the one that I first went to for toy help with jet jets. Biggest, uh, thing in terms of layman's terms is he doesn't want to let go of his toy. He gets really over aroused. And I think I didn't do a very good job of teaching him, systematically how to work with toys. And I think you are kind of the leading expert on toy skills (laughs) with positive reinforcement methods and that kind of thing. So I'm really, really excited to talk about this. And I think to begin with, it would be good to start with kind of a broad overview of what are toy skills? What does that look like? And uh, kind of just a broad overview of toy skills. So 
uh, this is just my opinion. I think that other people have different opinions, but what good toy skills look like to me are a dog and a handler that tug together where the dog affects the handler and the handler affects the dog. So that usually looks like um, the dog sort of moving the handler around or the and or the handler moving the dog around. So uh, it looks like that. Um, the handler lets the dog have the toy and the dog brings the toy right back. And then if you're going to add chase in there, uh, you might throw the toy and the dog brings it right back. So that bringing the toy right back is a huge deal to me and tells me that the dog enjoys the chase or the playing tug with the handler and that the handler is playing in a way that the dog likes. Um, and I also want some cued stuff in there. So I want the dog not body slamming the person when they come back. I want them uh, waiting for the toy to be thrown or presented for the tug. I don't want the dog willy nilly just grabbing um, the tug out of, or the toy out of the handler's hands, things like that. So I want some control, some structure in there. Uh, between the dog and that handler and the cueing. Really, what I really want is the dog letting the, or the handler letting the dog have it and the dog bringing it right back. So um, so those are basically, when I see that, that's what I call the good toy skills. Um, and that can look different um, depending on breed, depending on team. It can look different um, depending on the dog and the handler. So yeah, more intense, less intense whatever. Shade, would you add in there the ability for the dog to then work around the toy without going after it? So being able to use it as a placed reward, does that count or is that in a separate category? Um, so I'm just thinking basic, which would be tug and chase. Okay. Um, and after you have that, you would then be able to put a toy on the ground and then cue. So that goes into the cueing. Okay. The cueing of the handler of whether I'm going to say, chase it, tug it, or I'm going to put it on the ground and you have to wait for my cue to get it. So all of that, uh, and then adding behavior skills or agility skills or whatever to that game. I want the basic game first and mm -hmm. then, and the basic cues, and then you can start adding behaviors to it. So the basic games are chase and tug. Yeah. Sorry. Yep. Okay. Yes. For me, I like both of those and they oftentimes, uh, fulfill different needs in our dogs. So like when I first started teaching this, everybody in my sport was very afraid of um, throwing the toy because they don't like the dog getting reinforcement away from you. So the tug is supposed to be more reinforcing. But the thing is, is that your dog chooses what's reinforcing. And a lot of dogs need to have a chase away from you. Uh, and that's very fun for them. And they need that to relieve the pressure of actually tugging a toy near you can be more pressure filled for a lot of dogs, if that makes sense. So, so I like having both those games. Um, I do want to say something about chase, multiple chases, like, um, doing multiple chase, chase, chase all the time is rather hard on your dog's body. So it's kind of a young dog thing. And then eventually I want to have, other things, other ways that are easier on the dog's body that fulfill that need to chase something. So that might be catch or catch a dog, catch a toy uh, that I slam on the ground, things like that, that are a lot easier on a dog's body than chasing uh, something that moves erratically. So I always think of that too, especially for my dogs that are over like four and five. 
Yeah. And I think it depends a lot on the dog because yeah, Sprite, ten, which is funny because she's the more thoughtful dog, but she is kind of ridiculous when she chases a toy that yeah. she doesn't. She just like tries to slam on it. And um, whereas not always like you have to be careful, but if you throw the ball pretty far for Fractal, he's very good at catching it in stride and he isn't doing yeah. any of that crazy jamming, twisting, whatever. Whereas if I just want to I have to be very careful when I toss it to him because he'll do all kinds of gyrations and fall on the ground. I'm like, oh, my God, what are yeah. you doing? So I think they do that, that crazy leap up where yes. they land on their bunch or something and you're yes. just like okay you just work your spine and your cruciate right there yep. yeah. yeah 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 cringy very very cringy so right. that's the other thing but yes that it is for many dogs yeah. and many of our high drive dogs that are doing these sport things it can be very hard on their bodies yeah I start to look at toys so um I have so my girl Bale's I can throw a ball and it lands in front of her and she catches it off the bounce. So mm -hmm. she does that it's like one of your normal ball and ropes that I can do that. Um, but the two boys would like slam their bodies on the ground for that. So yep. with both of them, I actually throw a holy roller that um, does the same function. Um, it lands in front of them and they catch it off the bounce. And I can do that. I've developed my throw. Uh, I can, it, you know, it looks kind of funny when I'm out there in protection sports with my little tiny holy roller, um, mm -hmm. but it saves his body because he just catches it off the bounce and it's just so much better for him. Yep. So yeah, so I encourage people once you've taught the games to start looking at ways to throw the toy and specific toys that you can throw easier uh, that, that do so that the dog can run through, um, which is easier on their bodies than trying to slam themselves on the ground and get it. And again, it's really dog dependent. So yeah, I um, recently we just cut our entire backfield down. So I can't do this game for a little while again. But uh, one of the things I like to do with Jet, since he's the one who always hurts himself, but really loves to chase is um, I would throw a tug toy or a holy roller or whatever they happen to bring me really while we're walking in the field into the big tall grass to where yeah. they really couldn't catch it or slam themselves in because they couldn't quite figure out where it landed. And so yeah. they'd have to do a little bit of searching for it to then bring it back. And I really liked that game for him so that he wasn't doing anything crazy with his body. Yes. And that's a better game actually just for their mind mentally as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They've got to find the hidden toy and they've got to sniff it out. Um, that is probably better mentally than getting a huge adrenaline rush of, of chase, chase, chase and catching it, which, you know, oftentimes uh, we want that for our behavior skills that we're training. So we want to have that, but mentally um, too much of that is not necessarily a great thing for our higher motivated dogs. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes, so. absolutely. <laughs> so let's talk about why we want toy skills in training for our sport dogs. Um, yeah, that's a good segue. Um, it, basically because we want the arousal and the motivation and the speed um, that we get with toys. Uh, we usually want that in our behaviors because we're usually trying to get more arousal and more motivation from our dogs. So uh, our reinforcement drives the behavior. So if we have a high motivated, um, very exciting reinforcer like the toys, then we can bleed that back. We can bleed that back to our behavior. So if we want speedy behaviors, 
than we want usually toys. We can usually get more speed from the dogs. So that's my reason for my own. I want the motivation um, for it. I also personally want to channel the dog's instincts. Um, and I know you said for like your question was training our sport dogs, but for me, the toys as well, uh, oftentimes fulfills something in the dog that I need to fulfill. Uh, like if we want to talk about prey instinct or, or fighting or stuff like that. And that's important to me because if I don't fulfill that, then the dog is going to find other things that they fulfill it on. So, um, and I think that's very important in day-to-day -day living. So for instance, if I have a Malinois that wants to bite and chase and I don't want to play with the toys because it's bad on their bodies, um, chances are that Malinois is going to express its instinct on cars or other dogs or cats or things like that. And then I have nothing to channel that drive, it, you know, then it becomes harder and harder. So for me, it's very important to take what my dog brings to the table and channel it the way I want to so that then I can use it for both my sport behaviors and my everyday life stuff. So that's why I want people bringing toys into their dog's lives. I know that um, I was actually just thinking about this because Leo is so young and yet has a lot of willingness to work for me already. And I'm like, there's only so much food I can give a 12 week old puppy too. So sometimes when I feel like he's really still wanting to work and I want to be able to work on stuff, my, well, I can switch to toys because then I'm not having to give him so much food. <laughs> yes. And that, that is a thing I've, um, I've switched to using food a lot more and they get satiated with the food and they, um, I don't want to give them as many treats as I give them. So I've, you know, looked for high, more high quality treats because they're getting so many. So yeah, that is a thing. Well, and for little dogs, right. Mm -hmm. that, then there's, dogs. there's only yeah. so much that you can feed them. So really having something that's not food is very beneficial for a lot, yeah. a lot of reasons. Yeah. It's, it's beneficial. Food is beneficial in that you get a lot more reps usually mm -hmm. uh, than the, and uh, you know, so, so combination, I yeah. want people to use both. Because food can be faster, you mean you get so that's why you get more reps. You get more reps because um the dog swallows the reinforcement and doesn't have to bring it back to you and give right. it back. So right. you get a lot more quick reps out of food. Um, I think that one of the mistakes that people make with with toys is they try to get um a lot more reps than the dog is capable of mentally and physically. And toys are phys it's very physical for the dog. Uh so just by that alone, we usually can't get as many reps in as we could for food. Yeah. Sometimes toys can be nice when you're transporting. So if you are, I don't know, maybe like doing an A-frame or something like that, and that you're at the end with the toy or that was a placed toy and the dog comes to you, you can kind of tug with them back to the start point. So in that sense, there are some times where you can kind of be really efficient in your training and in your loop, but then you still have to think about mentally and physically, you know, how many reps right. can the, can the dog do? Right. Exactly. And for me in that transporting scenario, I want that to be really reinforcing for the dog. I yep. want you to be tugging with intent, uh, not putting up bars as you're tugging the dog <laughs> by them. Uh, and, and I also want an offered out at that point. Uh, for me, um, I don't want the 
us to get into the habit of tug, 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 and then cueing the out and setting the dog back up. Um, I want that to be the tug to be very reinforcing to the dog and the dog to basically spit that tug out when you let them have it and go, let me do this again, instead mm-hmm. of us sort of coercing this. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Talk more through yeah. that because uh, one of the things I was noticing uh, with Ole, especially when I go to class and I'm not at home training, yeah. Uh, it starts to be a little bit harder to get the toy out. And so I usually make sure that I'm giving it right back to her if I'm noticing that, but I have not looked at it from the lens of we're ready for our next rep, just spit it out. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is maybe what's so different about what I want out of the toy game than what other people advise. Um, and again, this is just how I feel about it, but okay. So I have my basic games. I want to chase um, and I want two toys involved. So I want the dog bringing back the toy you threw, spinning on the ground and getting you by eye contact um, to throw the next thing. So I want good timing with your marker, your marker, you know, say you're using chase, chase, and then you throw. So I want good timing on that. Um, And I want the dog understanding that they're dropping, they're spitting the ball out at your feet equals and then looking at you, I want, I always want that eye contact. I want that thinking from the dog. I want that operant mindset. I don't want them staring at the ball in your hand. Um, I really want the dog spitting that toy out and looking up at the handler. And then you say chase. Um, so that spitting out, the dog starts pushing you by dropping the ball. Okay. And that's an important mm-hmm. concept for the dog to have because that's where you're going to add your behavior skills. Um, When you incorporate tug into that, um, you have two physical signals. Uh, You have, I'm going, you stick your hands out, the dog brings the toy back for more tugging, um, or your hands are down by your side like they would be for a chase game, and the dog drops the toy tug onto the ground. And again, that's where you add your behaviors where the dog has said, do it again. I don't tend to add my behaviors off of a cued out of a tug. And the reason I don't add them there is because most of the times that's, um, it's the dog is doing it because we asked, not because they're offering the out, if that makes sense. Yes. Oh so, my gosh. Yeah. I'm having such a light bulb moment right now with Ole because I feel like she has really good toy skills. I never... I don't generally fight with her to get it back. We can do a lot of reps, whatever, but there is, there has just been this little hiccup in our toy game. And I think that is why. Yes. And the reason that I'm so adamant about that is that inevitably we make mistakes in our training session. We Mm -hmm. ask for too much. We're too hard. We're too many reps. And the dog goes, I need a moment. Hey, I need to think about that. That was really hard. And is something in that reset where we're asking the dog to come back and drop the toy, something in that reset happens where the dog goes, where the dog deviates from the normal. And what that usually looks like is they they don't come back to you or they arc when they come back to you or they take a couple chomps to drop the ball in front of you or they hold on to the ball or they they, there's some deviations in the giving back of the ball um, or the toy. And so you can 
notice that as you're training the dog. And when they take an extra chomp or two to drop the ball at your feet, then you can go, oh, whoops, you kind of need a moment. Um, whatever we just did was kind of hard for you. And so you can add more reinforcement if you need to. Um, you can make the sequence or the building behavior um, easier. But that's in that reset when the when the dog is bringing the toy back. Um, that to me is just so important for me to recognize as a trainer because the dog is often having an opinion about what's going on. Um, and I want to know that because if I don't pay attention to that, then it affects my behaviors that I'm actually training. Um, hopefully that makes sense. That's a big deal to me. That's why I want that offer drop on the ground because how what that looks like and how quick that is, the whole return really tells me how good and clear and um, fair my training session is going. That's fascinating because I feel like if the dog drops the toy, then they're not as interested in the game of tug as I would like them to be. And I guess I could say that's what I've previously thought. I'm, I feel like I need to try yeah. this <clears throat> with Sprite because she's not like a voracious tugger. I, she is, I have a hard time getting her to bring the toy back. And so when she was quite young, I, I, like I asked a lot of questions about this and people would say, well, you know, border collies don't necessarily like to come into your space. Don't lean over her. And so part of her recall with the toy is that she jumps up on me and like kind of hands me the toy that way. Yeah. And she is offering the out at that point. She's sort of spitting it at me as she's doing that. And that's always kind of bothered me because I'm like, no, I want this to, I want you to keep wanting to play. But if I look at it from the lens of she did the thing. She's good. She's ready for another rep. Then I get to feel a lot better about <laughs> where we're at with right. things. Right, right. I'll have to evaluate that, like kind of watch and see see yeah. how that's going. And then, of course, all of that tracks for Fractal, who is much more chompy. He all he does not like to like drop the toy super close to me. He he outs it, and then I'm like. I can't reach that. You and oh, okay, I'll push it closer to you. But he really does not like to recall all the way in, and that's I, I don't know. That was a long time ago, and so that. But that was part right. of the reason I tried to solve the problem with Sprite. Of like, you have to come back. You have to bring the toy all the way back to me. I'm not playing this whatever this game is that you have with the ball. Right. So dogs that drop the toy early, um, often vacillate between dropping it early um, or body slamming you. Uh, so those two issues are often the same because the dog is going, hey, I'm uncomfortable with your hands near my toy. Mm. Uh, so um, I want to work through that. And I want to, in the process of teaching them, that's why I do the chase in the process of teaching them uh, to drop it, I want them to understand to drop it in my proximity as close as I want it. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is um, I do have a deliver to hand. So um, once you train the dropping and once the dog is offering, you know, kind of spitting the toy at your feet, if the handler wants it, then we can have what I call a, a um, voluntary deliver to hand where I might stick my hand out and it's a different position than tugging. Uh, so I would have a different hand position for bring 
bring to my hand to tug for more tugging mm-hmm. versus bring to my hand to drop. Right. Um, and I want that to be voluntary um, because again, I want it to be information. I don't want us to be coercive and say, hey, you must bring this back to my hand. I want me to be able to stick out my hand and the dog to go, nope, not ready. Yes. Or yes, here it is in your hand um, and I'm ready for the next rep. So that can be the same as the offered drop on the ground. Interesting. I feel yeah. like um, that's, you know, we we're hearing more and more about consent in dog training and really what you're describing is the dog giving the consent, consent to continue. Yep. Yes. And, you know, it's kind of a loaded term right now, but just think about how um, you need buy-in from your learner. Um, <laughs> your learner needs to go, hey, this is fun. I want to do it again. Yeah. Um, and we want to look as their teachers and their handlers, we want to look at specific behaviors that signify that buy-in. So um, of course these are trained, but like um, I was just doing my online forums today and I was reminding a student how I wanted the dog and it's treat training. So I want the dog to, after they eat the treat, look at the handler and then you can cue the next thing. So if my dog is not looking at me, I'm not going to cue them to do something. They always have to look at me. Um, And so it's just the same with all the training. You, after a treat, you want orientation to the handler. After, you know, you've given the toy, you want orientation to you and getting back the, the toy. So you just want to have those behaviors in a training way. So you have a really clean loop of training, um, but you also want them because when you do train them and then the dog doesn't look at you after they eat the food or doesn't bring the toy back and they normally do, I want us to take that as information and adjust our training session. Because I think that for so long, we've been training the dogs without going, how's this working for you? And then it deteriorates into our behaviors and Frankly, I want to know how my dog feels before I start ruining my trial behaviors. And if mm-hmm. I can catch it in that reset, then I don't, my trial behaviors are still nice and sacred and and really good and formal uh, if I catch the dog going in that reset. Um, hopefully that kind of makes sense. Yeah, it totally does. I love that. Well, let's switch gears a little bit to talk about building this desire for the toys if someone comes to you and says my dog isn't interested in toys where do you start that conversation well i'm not the best trainer teacher to teach dogs to tug and chase and be interested in toys um, that don't have that interest so um, i feel like it is an instinctual genetic thing that the dog is born with and they're either born with the genetic prey instinct to be able to channel that towards toys or they aren't. And so I would look at how an owner is playing with their dog and I would make sure to adjust all that stuff uh, and make sure that that is as right as I can get it as their teacher. But I would also look at the dog and eventually if the dog isn't interested enough in Um, tugging to bring the toy back for more tugging, then I'm going to say, we need to use food to train that dog. And we can use a little bit of toy play as sort of an arousal, get up a little more arousal, but we can't use it as a reinforcer. Um, Mm, And and 
grow because the dog doesn't like it enough to bring it back. So, and that's my litmus test. That's my real big test because if I, if I work on throwing, uh, getting the dog's love of chase, um, the reinforcement ends when the toy hits the dog's mouth and then the dog has to like the toy, like the, the chase enough to be, uh, for that to be more reinforcing than the expensive behavior of bringing the toy back and giving it to me. The same with tug. I, we can get most dogs to tug with frustration or mm-hmm. teasing mm-hmm. or all those frustration things. We can use a little negative reinforcement by, you know, touching the dog and things like that and getting them to tug very uh, hard, but that doesn't mean they actually like it. And I, yep. what means they actually like it is when we let them have it and then they bring it back for more tugging. So again, that bringing back is expensive for the dog. And sometimes just genetically, they don't like the toy play enough for us to use it as a reinforcement. I think we can train all these sports with food. We can do it with food. We can make food play really interesting. And we don't necessarily, I think toys sometimes add some conflict in there uh, that we then use to get speed, but may not be um, the best way for every dog. So yeah. Um, And that's just my opinion. I, I do high level bite sports. I have dogs that really like it. If my, if I had a dog that didn't like tug and chase, um, I might consider that for me, they weren't appropriate for the sport I really want to do. So you, you always have to look at the genetic parts of the dog too. Um, There are, I do want to mention, there are really talented trainers out there that teach tugging with food. I am just not that trainer. (laughs) So Let's be honest of that. (laughs) But I think that's such, it's a very interesting lens because again, like Sprite's not my crazy dog. And I think border collies are interesting because they really range the spectrum. You have some super hard tugging, toy loving border collies out there. And I feel like for mostly for Sprite, it's been trained. She doesn't love it in the same way and we've played some more games of fetch where she seemed fetch chase where she seemed more enthusiastic and it always catches me off guard and then I'm like wait what did I do to get that how do I repeat this to keep this enthusiasm high and I have ended up I, I still ask myself the question like what does this dog truly find reinforcing because so far the only thing I feel like I really have is she likes to chase and in that sense I mean like chase me chase down a a thing that is running away from her and that's not the same as a thrown toy and so she loves the game like I run away and you chase me and she catches the toy that's her favorite thing and I do do a lot of that and um, maybe that's you know kind of bleeding back into the into the larger game but I ask myself a lot. Is there something else I could be doing? Should I use food more? Like, is she finding this truly reinforcing? And is that some of why our training feels slow or why she hasn't picked up as much speed as I would, as I think she has in her? So a lot of good things to think about, like why force the toy thing? Like, do you have to? And I don't know that you do. So people fall in various places in this camp. And I agree there. I've seen people train a tug with food and sort of transfer um, that skill. I don't know that I could 
I could do it. I'm really impressed when people, whenever people say that they did that um, because it's hard. Yes. And oftentimes if we put food into the toy play too soon, like if we are teaching tug for food, um, then we actually make it more about the food than the tugging. Mm-hmm. So the dog is, um, so oftentimes I see this when people are training the dog to bring something back uh, and they put it in their hand and then they give food. And oftentimes the dog, they're very, the trainers are very clever about uh, reducing the food, but eventually you knock up against the fact that it was trained with food. Mm-hmm. So the dog is retrieving for food and doesn't realize that the chase or the tugging itself is fun. So mm-hmm. um, you have to be really careful about that. That sometimes happens. I would say that dogs that we do train to do tug or chase for food and that eventually like the tugging and chasing would have liked the tugging and chasing without the food. So, Mm. um, and I'm just going to go out of the room and say that because one of the things that's really, really hard about toy play and building it and teaching it is that you as the handler don't know what the dog likes and the dog doesn't know what they like. So when they're young, they're kind of instinctually trying their stuff, but they don't really know what they like. So you're kind of trying to build a reinforcement that isn't there yet because it's not like the majority of dogs come out of the room loving to chase and pick up and return stuff to you, even labs. Um, (laughs) So so it's something we have to teach them that they like and they build confidence in their bodies. They build, it all starts to feel good. They start to realize they like it better. But in the early stages, a lot of times, if we're not as skilled as a handler, we don't know what we're doing. Um, The puppy doesn't know they like it. We don't know how to build it. We're uh, toy play, good toy play, especially the tugging is shaping, but you're shaping something that both of you don't know whether or not you like it yet. So (laughs) it is hard in the beginning. And when you have a challenging dog that its prey instinct hasn't like really opened up yet, and you have a handler that feels a little bit, uh, you know, like, how do I do this? Oftentimes that, that combination can miss that window kind of to teach the dog to enjoy the tugging or the chase. Um, and then, then it's harder, harder and harder. So toy play, um, especially the tugging part is, is not easy to train or teach with the majority of dogs. It's a great segue into what are the errors that people tend to make as they're trying to build up their toy skills. They overwhelm the the dog. Uh, they ask for too much. They they ask for too many reps. They drill the dog. They in tugging they don't look at what the dog brings to it and what the dog likes in the tugging. So I mentioned earlier how um, when I see a handler and dog tugging, I want to see the handler affecting the dog and the dog affecting the handler. Our job as the handler and teaching the tug is to reinforce the dog for what they're doing and what they joyfully like. So what you're trying to figure out in tug is the joy in tug for your dog. And that can be something that your sport doesn't like. And so let's say you have a border collie that likes to push the tug. So dogs tend to be two types They tend to like two types of actions. Um, They tend to like either pulling, which my sport of IGP Schutzen likes. We like them to pull. Um, And agility usually likes them to pull. Mm -hmm. And we like dogs that 
pull, but sometimes your dog has the genetic in instinct to push the toy instead, and they want to push it. And so the, the pushers don't like to pull. They want to push. And that can be really hard to, one, figure out for your handler that has only dealt with pullers. And it can be hard to reinforce because there's a different reinforcement aspect that you have to do as a handler for the pushers versus the pullers. And most of the times when I was giving seminars, I would always find a border collie that wanted to push and the owner was trying to get them to like to pull. And the border collie's like, no, I'm not bringing it back if you don't allow me to push this toy. Mm. Uh, so it's kind of a miscommunication. So basically what I want to see is I want people to empower their dogs to win the tug from them. Okay. And empowering and making your dog feel confident means that you need to let that dog affect you in a way that feels good to the dog, not in a way that you think the dog should do it. So once we can let go of that part of my sport wants pulling, or my dog should do this because the other dog I had did this. Once we start trying to figure out what the dog actually likes themselves, uh, then we can start to shape the enjoyment of it. So yeah, so that's the most common area error is I just say they overpower them. Um, and they don't let them have the toy. Well, and especially for a sport like agility, where the toy isn't actually part of the agility part of it, it really yeah. shouldn't matter whether they want to tug or push as long as it's reinforcing to them versus I think in bite sports, you kind of need the the pulling, right? Because you're getting judged on that. We do, but you can have pushers too. So it's, you know, that's a whole nother conversation, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So my question is about sort of control with the toys and, and having the, those clean toy skills. And I, I don't, there are two sort of versions of this question. So one, if you have a super enthusiastic dog, what is the process look like to get some, those clean outs and how do you do it in a way I feel like I know the answer to this maybe but so that it's not punishing you're not like yelling at the dog to drop the toy what what does that process look like and then also and maybe maybe the more interesting conversation is what about the dog you've worked really hard to build some confidence and enjoyment of the toy around then how do you add rules and control to that so and I'll I'll just you know use a very personal example like Sprite doesn't love the toy we don't have the cleanest toy skills in some ways because I'm a little scared to try and put too many rules on it and like break her enjoyment so kind of there's those two types of dogs like what does it look like to make sure that the dog will actually drop the toy and then how do you maybe clean up behaviors for your less enthusiastic dogs? Okay, so I think they're the same thing. I okay, think good. that, <laughs> well, but I think we need to be very clear in our criteria when we're teaching the dog. Mm -hmm. um, and that sometimes we allow the softer dog, I'm gonna just going to label the softer mm -hmm. dog or the less motivated dog. We allow them to not have good criteria because we're afraid to break the enjoyment. Mm -hmm. I want us to be crystal clear because what happens also is that if you're not clear in your criteria and then all of a sudden you want to make it more clear and you want the dog to bring it back and put it in your hand or whatever, then the dog is confused because 
that's different than what they've been doing for the last six months. So that can be confusing and make the dog not enjoy it. I want us to be as clear as possible when we're teaching for both the soft dog and the highly motivated dog, because I think that in the end, clarity is just much easier for our dogs. Now, we might play differently with the Mm. dog that... um, that we've worked hard to build it. Uh, we might do less pressure uh, mm-hmm. or play longer or longer chunks of play or more chase versus tug or things like that to make sure that we've got that dog's particular brand of enjoyment mm-hmm. in the tug. But the actual structure and the rules, I think, need to be the same uh, so that we we don't have um, confusion later on as we're trying to add those rules. So it also depends on what you mean by structure and rules and also depends what you mean in the higher drive dog, um, what you mean about the out. Um, because I don't ever want to be yelling at my dog to drop the toy. Right. Um, because again, that's an offer drop. And so if the dog doesn't offer drop, that tells me something about my training. Yep. I love that. I know that we could talk about toys forever and ever. I keep thinking to myself, Whitney, we need to find Shade's next seminar to go to for (laughs) both of our dogs. Yes. um, Because they are super helpful. And I know I've really, I remember being so proud when I came home after the first seminar that I went to with you and Jet was able to drop his toy. And I was just like, ah. And um, I should have kept I, it up. Right. I may be, I had an inquiry uh, to do a seminar in, in Oregon. Uh, so it hasn't really reached past the inquiry stage, but I may be doing a seminar in Oregon soon. Uh, well, right. now that I have nicer neighbors, I'd be happy to bring you out to my place for a seminar. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm more up to doing seminars now that COVID's, uh, you know, under control. And yeah. Um, we can be outside and things like that. So, yeah. 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 So, so if people aren't able to get to a seminar in person with you, where can they find you? So I do teach my toy class every other term at Fenzy. Um, it's a really good class. It's got a lot of information. Um, it's hard to get into a gold spot to get feedback from me, but I always have a TA for that class. Uh, so, um, Unfortunately, right now we're mid-session in the June term, which means the next time I'm offering it would be October. Um, okay. But I totally want people to check that out. It's it's just it's a really good class. Got a lot of info. A lot of people uh, have to take it more than once. So like the best thing to do is to take it at bronze and then get in and work on it and then mm-hmm. get in at gold the next time so that you can kind of work on your problems or, or stuff that you've had challenges with. Um, but yeah, that's how you kind of, um, get access to me these days is online through Fenzy and various other classes that I teach there. Uh, but yeah, that's awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here today. I love this kind of conversation and I think in the sport world and in agility, you know, we want toys to be this big, important thing and, um, stimulus control of them. We just talked with Rachel Downs about that recently and she's going to be back teaching a seminar in July where uh, some of that is uh, a big part of it because I think we introduce so much conflict oftentimes with our toy games um, with do. good intentions yes. and yet it's still there. Yeah, yes, I think it is. Knowing that you have to, it's its own skill to train on its own instead of just assuming that it's going to 
come and be there. I think that's, for me, that's the big kind of thing to take away and recognize. Well, one thing I always tell people is you need to build your reinforcers and toy is a reinforcer. So the toy skills, so you need to spend some time building that as a reinforcement before you add your behavior skills, agility skills, whatever you want to call them into the game. You don't, do the behavior skills and add the toy into that. You have to build your reinforcement game with your clean loops um, and then add your behavior skills into that. So add the work into the game sort of yep. thing. That's more what you want to think about. Um, and we get, we're so, food is so easy because um, most dogs will eat. They eat it. So you don't have to get it back. So mm-hmm. I think, we get the the food eating for free. Um, and so we don't think of it in terms of building the reinforcement of eating food, which some of us do have to still do. Uh, but it's, yeah, so we don't, we're not in the habit of thinking of building our reinforcement, which we totally need to think about when it comes to toy skills. Ugh, I love that takeaway. <laughs> and on that note. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Shade. We'll put links to uh, your website and to Fenzi in the show notes for folks. And if you haven't listened to her episode on protection sports, it is episode 27 back in March. So check that out as well, because Shade has so much to offer us. And I'm really appreciative that you were willing to come back and talk with us about toy skills. Yes. Well, thanks for having me. It's been really awesome talking about it. So that's all for today's episode. Don't forget to rate, share, and subscribe to our podcast so you can join us for our next episode. In the meantime, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or by visiting our website at www.caninehijinks.com. Thanks for joining us. Make sure to go out and have some fun with your dogs. Talk to you next time.